Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is The Guardian. My place in this world will not be marked by my achievements in the theatre or a headstone or even that house that I bought for my family, but it will be in a kind of giving back to this landscape that has looked after me and gives me a sense of calmness. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is the Full Story Summer Series, the tale I dine out on. We've asked 10 of our favourite storytellers, including actors, comedians, writers and more, to share an extraordinary story. Today, Kwandamooka man, theatre writer and director Wesley Enoch on how a death, a dream and a missing wedding ring brought him closer to his country. To understand a little bit about me... You've got to understand my family and all my family in its complexity. So on my mother's side of the family, I have a Danish great-grandmother and a Spanish great-grandfather who met after World War One. On my father's side of the family, I have three different Aboriginal clans, mostly from Minjiraba, the Kwantamuka peoples, the Nugi peoples, and then the Kanju people from... Uh, far north Queensland, but pretty much I call Stradbroke Island Minjitabar home. When you come to Stradbroke Island, you have to cross the Kondamuka, the, the Moreton Bay, and beautiful water. It, all these islands are mostly sand islands that have built up through different volcanic rock at either ends. And Stradbroke Island is massive. It takes a good half an hour to drive across it at its thickest part. And when you come to Stradbroke Island, there's an immediate moment of everything just relaxes. There's an almost exhalation that occurs. And the air is so fresh, the, the wind coming off the salt water, the rush through the trees, the sense too of a slower landscape. I, I, I joke that it takes me an hour and a half to go get milk when I'm on the island because you've got to talk to everyone because everything goes at a conversational pace as you're walking along and meeting people and talking with people. There's a sense of being friendly. And the wildlife from koalas and kangaroo and um, goanna and lots of bird life. When you go to Stradbroke Island, you also see oysters on rocks as you're coming in. And I remember as a kid, we used to just kind of go down and get oysters off the rock and, you know, put it with some vinegar and eat it. And there's all that fun stuff about being on an island that was always fecund with lots to feed you and lots to hold you in that way. 
So you arrive on the flyer, a small like water taxi that holds a couple hundred people, and it arrives, and that jetty is right next to the cemetery. And so when you arrive, well, as I do, you take a shortcut through the cemetery and you say hello to all your relatives as you walk into my house. You kind of say hello to your grandfather and your great aunts and your and your other relatives who are all around there. To go back, I, I kind of I, I didn't have a great relationship with my father. It was a very complex relationship, as as kids, all kids have very complex relationships with their parents sometimes. But I didn't know that until my father died, that there was something missing. My father, um, so he and my mother got married when they were eighteen and nineteen and had four children in five years. And so by the time they were 25, they had four children under five. And I was born in 1969. I'm the eldest son, but the second eldest in the in the family. And I had a very kind of weird relationship because as a gay man, I was looking to my father for guidance and support, and he didn't know how to support that. And so when my father dies, he dies at the age of 65, and I'm in my early 40s, and I realise there's something missing. Uh, there's a missing connection, if you like. He would often take us back to Stradbroke Island. He would tell us stories of living on the island. He would tell us stories of swimming the the small strait between Stradbroke and Morton Island, um, Minjitaba and Mogumpan, and going and getting wild horses and bringing them back to Stradbroke and selling them or breaking them in and and all these things they would do to raise money. And... I realised that when he died, those stories would not be told anymore, that there would be this sense of all the stories that I had from him were done, were told already. And I started to go, oh, this was maybe two years after he died. My mother said to me, she said, look, what do you want of your father's belongings? She was looking at his clothes and his other belongings. And I said, I don't need anything. I don't need anything from him. I don't need anything to remember him by. And within a few days, I'd had a very strong dream where he visited me in a dream, sat on my bed and talked to me about looking after my mother and protecting my mother and that the the marriage vows, and they shouldn't have stayed married. I mean, in many ways, this young couple who there was a lot of violence in the house, alcoholism, there was a lot of kind of conflict in the house, but they stayed together for decades and He'd always talked about his responsibility to her and the marriage vows being very important. And I woke up very with a strong image that, in fact, his wedding ring was a sign of his vow to her. And I said to Mum, I said, I, I want Dad's wedding ring. And she went looking for it and couldn't find it. And we, we kept thinking, oh, did we bury him with it? What happened? What, where, where did it go? And as it turns out... Um, she had lost it. And it was coming up to the marriage equality, um, not even website, what, what do we call those things? A postal survey of some sort. And I, I was talking to mum about my partner and I, uh, David, and we, we've been together for now 16 years and this very important sense of him into my life and and convincing her who she's a very religious woman, believes in God and things, but her and my sister having long conversations about accepting who who I am. And when the legislation went through, she found my father's wedding ring in a small container at the back of a drawer. 
but I like to think that my father had pl- played some role in bringing that wedding ring now. And I still wear it on, on my little finger. It doesn't fit on my wedding finger, but I, I wear it now as a constant reminder of my father and a connection. On the funeral of my father, my brothers and I were there at the digging of the hole, you know, the digging of the grave. And we, we dug it n- nine, nine feet deep because we knew mum was going to go on top eventually. <laughs> and, and we were there at the crack of dawn when the backhoe was going in there. And we were playing out a story my father had said that when my grandfather had died, that my father single-handedly had dug the hole. And my grandfather never had a tombstone. And when my father would take us to the island, to the cemetery, where our family plot is, we would always point to this tree that was small when I was small and grew much stronger, this massive ghost gum that sits at the head of my grandfather's uh, gravesite. And we always knew that that tree was connected to my grandfather, that even if he did, had no headstone, that tree was growing stronger and stronger as, uh, I guess, off the nutrients of my grandfather, this kind of terrible connection between this tree and the, my, my, my grandfather's flesh beneath it. We, we never have small funerals in my family. If you have anything under four, 400, you think, oh, gee, that's a small funeral. Like 400 easily turn up and you can't fit them into the church hall or whatever. And there's this huge procession that comes down the road where the whole family process from the, the local hall down to the, to the gravesite. And then all with shovels, shoveling in the dirt to kind of put the loved one in the earth. And this wonderful sense of storytelling being played out over and over again. And so when we went to bury my father in a gravesite, we were there for the digging of the hole. A year later, which is tradition in, in the family, you don't put a grave stone, you don't put a headstone there straight away. A year later, we unveiled my father's headstone, but also my grandfather's headstone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Jump forward a couple of years, we've buried my father and I'm feeling the lack of this connection. I'm feeling the lack of this sense of the storytelling and what was going to happen. And I start looking around to buy a house on Strapark Island 
I went, okay, this is important because if I'm feeling that lack of connection, then my niece and nephews will feel even less connected and then their children feel even less connected unless we have uh, a physical place that we come to and we can share stories. And so I buy this house. And one of the things that, that struck me straight away was there was a family of curlews, you know, these little birds that in the middle of the night call out, sometimes in a really blood-shrieking kind of call. And for many people, it's a, it's a call of death, almost like a ghost call. And for me, these curlews were just always there and this wonderful calling from house to house and and across the island as these birds kind of connect with each other. And this family of curlews was just there when I arrived. I planted a number of very um, very strong native trees now that have grown up bottle brushes and, and banksias and, and lots of flowering trees, grevilleas. And these birds have kind of started to come back, not just the curlews, but other birds. And not to my neighbour's house, but to my house all the time. And I was going, well, is it just because of the, I've got native trees that that's, the birds are coming back? And I didn't quite understand this connection with the curlew. And I believe too that there's totems you're born with and then there are totems that choose you over time. And I was telling my uncle this story and he told me the story of how my grandfather had died. For over a week, my grandfather had gone to work and back again and he kept complaining that these curlews were kind of following him chasing him at times and circling him and they're calling out to him all the time and my uncle told the story that um, one afternoon when my grandfather was due home and he didn't arrive that in fact we heard the curlew calling he says and my grandmother said go 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 find your grandfather go now And my uncle came upon my grandfather being circled by curlews, had fallen, having having had a heart attack in the middle of the ground, and these curlews were circling him, calling, calling out. And he told me that story as a connection to the curlews at my house, that they had somehow connected with where I was living and the sense of connection over time, if you like. And I don't know, there's something about this connection to place, which is not just an oogie-boogie thing. You know, like often it's very easy to go, oh, Aboriginal people feel connected to place because, you know, we've got a deep spiritual, cultural connection to place over, over time. But I started to think about this tree, this tree that had grown up on the nutrients of my grandfather, that literally his DNA is in that tree. And that tree, as it grew stronger and bigger, and then has fruit on it, you know, like flowers and small fruits and nuts and things like that on this ghost gum, that had then fed different animals over time or had provided shelter. And it made me think, I know, it's not just this sense of, I don't know, how do you ever love a child? You look at them And there's a connection, a bond, which goes beyond just this is my child, but something that's deeper than that, a a kind of instinctive, deep down in your DNA sense of needing to look after them and care for them. And so I kept going, that tree is my grandfather, that, that grandfather tree of mine 
has then become the home and the feeding place for many animals. And those animals have a connection to me and my DNA in the same way. And then I started to go, this whole island is in fact made up of this joint DNA between the thousands of generations that have inhabited this land and how the animals have and plants have connected over time. You know, when a farmer says, oh, we've been farming this land for five generations and I feel so connected to it, I cannot leave it. I go, yeah, I know what that's like. And so me going back to Strapbrook Island is such a kind of deep experience. There's something about this sense of connection that I have that makes me feel that on a cellular level, I am calm, that I belong, that when I die, I want my DNA to go back into that ground, into that earth. Without a headstone, it doesn't really matter, but there's a sense of continuity of connection that my place in this world will not be marked by my achievements in the theatre or a headstone or even that house that I bought for my family, but it'll be in a kind of giving back to this landscape that has looked after me and gives me a sense of calmness. That was theatre writer and director Wesley Enoch. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and Karishma Luthria. Sound design and mix by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers were Hannah Parks and Miles Martignoni. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. We'll be back with another tale tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.